to Judging Book Covers, your bi-weekly book club podcast where we help our guests go through their to-be-read list. I'm Stephanie Cortez, and as usual, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Megan. How are you doing this morning, Megan? I'm okay. How are you? Pretty good. A little tired, but pretty good. I, I stayed up <laughs> way too late watching um, The Great British Bake Off last night. <laughs> I love that you're finally getting into this. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm kind of kicking myself for not getting into it sooner. But. It's just so peaceful. And then you need to watch, uh, what's the Amy, uh, Amy, oh God, Nick Offerman and Amy oh, Poehler. Oh, I've watched that already. Making it. Oh, okay, good. Which I keep confusing with Nailed It. <laughs> yes. Like, just, I know which one, I forget which title goes with which, so I've done that, like, twice with the Because Nailed It makes sense. Yeah, and they're, they're both something, it, two words, but I love both of them. Yeah. Nailed It and Making It. That is, yeah. Yeah. Making It is one of my favorite shows now. Yes. <laughs> Very glad I got a season two. Yes, me too. <laughs> um, and today we are joined by Ollie Brady of Best Acquaintances Podcast. How are you, Ollie? I'm very good, but I want to know what season of Great British Bake Off you're watching. Uh, whichever <laughs> first one is on Netflix <laughs> with oh, um, right. Ian and his baked Alaska disaster oh. that destroyed my heart for him. <laughs> Ian, and he's so, I can't even, he's so close to crying. Yeah, I mean, I would be too. Yes. It's devastating. Just like, trying to figure out which one this was. I'm trying to think, Mm. like, if you were, like, if you're on TV and something didn't go right in a baking competition, would you cry? Like, I mean, would the tears come? Something like that. That was like, I didn't mess it up. It's ice cream. I had it in the freezer like it needed to be, and someone else took it out. Probably angry cry. And probably some yelling. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do love that the show, like, they totally don't want it to be competitive or yes. um, dramatic, which twofold. So they do things like cuss in front of people that are crying so they can't use the, the footage. Oh. And then two, this leads to the most amazing drama of, like, if you read the Wikipedia page where it's like the drama of this season was that like someone wore a red shirt that shouldn't have. And I'm oh. like, I love it. I love that you're still trying to draw this in. Yeah. And there was one that was like, Paul flirted with this character the whole season. And I was like, <laughs> he did? Wait a second. I don't know. I have to rewatch to look so. for that. Paul is yes. definitely flirting with at least two of the contestants in, in the seasons I've seen. I'm going to have to pay attention to like, I mean, yes. It's like, mm, I enjoy your flavors. It's like, oh, Paul, <laughs> no, stop, no. Stop. Not the, um, the latest season, does, uh, or the, not the one that's on presently, but the, the last season, so it's the first one that changed channels. So it's Mel and Sue are off it. Um, right. No I saw that on, on the wiki. I was sad. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's okay, right? Um, Sandy Toxic's great, but... Um, not big fan no feeling but uh there's a guy on it steven and he's super good and he's like star baker for the first two weeks and then yeah i like steven i genuinely feel sorry for him because i think he's judged harsher than oh. absolutely everybody on the rest of the show for the rest of the, like it's like he's still getting true and he's never in any danger of getting knocked out it's not it's not like he's like, he's like one of the best bakers on so he's never he's not going to get knocked out or whatever but it's just every time they come to him, they're like, oh, we expect more from you, Stephen. We're going, he's oh. just after handing up this perfect looking cake that <laughs> isn't making you sick. And you're like, we expect more from you. And then James comes in and hands you a feckin' mess. And you go, mm, I, love, I love your flavors, James. 
That's very true. Don't give him the sympathy. I love your flavors when he's handing you up a shit show, and then tell Stephen who's just made you this crown that looks like it's a real crown, and then say, "No, oh, expect more." Expect oh more. My gosh. Yeah, that's right. He's the one. Oh God, what did he make for like the? You had to bake something that looked like something else. Yes, and he made one that looked like a sandwich. Yes, and it's amazing. It was so good. I've oh seen sandwiches I didn't that didn't look like sandwiches as much as this looks like a sandwich. Yes. Um, and then I, I watched the last, the second last episode of that um, this week, and he makes a little hot air balloon and he has a little chocolate basket on it, but it's in the middle of the summertime in Uh-oh. England in a tent, and the oh chocolate no. basket melts, and they rip him apart from it, saying it doesn't really look like a balloon anymore. It looks or like <gasps> a hot air balloon. It looks like this. Instead of going, it's not his fault. It's a forty. Like it's like they've clearly talked about it three or four times on the show. It's like 43, 44 degrees. Chocolate melts at thirty seven degrees. Like cut yeah. the ice and break or some slack. Poor dude. <sighs> God. I know. I do need to get back to watching this season. I only watched a few episodes of it. It's good. I can't wait to get caught up. I'm at the end of that season with Ian. So Chetna, I was very sad. She just got cut. So now it's down to oh, Kate, yeah, I love her. Louis, and Richard. Mm. So it's a good season. The finale. So, then you're two seasons away from my favorite season with Nadia. Nadia, okay. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is the one you're watching the one with, like, the girl that's still in high school? 17? She, Martha, yes. Either Martha yes. or Mary. But, yeah. she. Oh I'm like, God. how are you doing this? Like, she did so yes. well. <laughs> like, oh, like, she, she didn't do super great. I think it was pastry. And she said, like, she never makes pastry. She was like, I can't believe I survived it. Um, yeah. But I was like, how are you 17? You got so much talent. Like, this is awesome. Good for you. Yes. Yeah. I think Mary Berry <laughs> said her it. name's going to come up again when she uh, when they had to let her go. Okay. I also like that because what I like about making it is that it's also not, it doesn't feel super competitive. Everyone is super supportive. If someone's mm-hmm. done and the other person next to them is running out of time, they run over and yes. help them. It's like, oh, the tears because so you love each other. And I they, that happened a couple times on this season of... Uh, British Bake Off where like Richard was helping Mary or Martha I can't remember her name but yeah I love that (laughs) hey guys 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 did we read a book this week nope we did we only watched (laughs) the great British Bake Off (laughs) (laughs) we did and it had nothing to do with cooking there was mention of food (laughs) food, that's true I like fancy food not the fancy stuff you see on those shows but I mean in that type of situation what are you gonna do (laughs) I read the first two books of Crazy Rich Asians, and there's so much food in those books. <laughs> like, every other book pales in comparison at how much food it mentions. During that movie, I it's think we were only, like, 20 minutes in, and I was like, Chris, we need to go there and eat everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so yeah. much food. Is is the movie worth checking out? Uh, yes. yes. Definitely. I mean, reason number one, Henry Golding's abs. Yes. Reason number two... The cast is really great. Mm-hmm. Reason number three is Henry Golding's abs. And then it's just a good story as well. I feel like they toned the book down really well. Who's Henry Golding's um, abs? <laughs> no, abs. 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 Oh, he's got abs. Oh, yes. Oh, I thought it was a dude <laughs> named Henry Golding Tabs. I was like, Who's that? am I supposed to know who Henry Golding Tabs is? Is he famous? Henry Golding. <laughs> And his abs. Yes. Oh, nice. How many abs does he have? 
A lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, a lot. Mm-hmm. He's a very attractive man. Yes. And then you follow him on Instagram and you realize that his wife is absolutely gorgeous. And you're just like, how? How is this couple so beautiful? <laughs> it's just not fair. It's like when you realize that Chris Hemsworth not only is oh. like the most beautiful and sexy man, but he also yes. has like this beautiful wife and adorable yes. kids and they live in an amazing house that's beside the beach, but also yes. in the forest. And you're like, where, mm-hmm. where do they live? Mm-hmm. He showed up on uh, Tessa Thompson's uh, Instagram story yesterday. (laughs) I am very excited for the new Men Men in Black. They seem like legit good buddies, too. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Yes. So we did read a book. And the book was, (laughs) at one point, a movie. So that helps. We'll we'll tie it all in that way. (laughs) Um, So we read I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, which originally came out in 1954, I believe. Uh, basically Robert Neville's the last man on earth and everyone else is a vampire so he gets to spend his days making supplies gathering supplies and killing vampires for the most part um, Ollie how did you come to want to read this book uh, I read this back when I was in I, was, I keep, no, I've been spending too much time with Americans I nearly said back when I was in high school I've never been in high school back when I was in secondary school <laughs> Um, I, w- I went to I went through a phase of reading pulp science fiction and I'm, I'm currently going through a phase so it was really fortuitous when Megan suggested this book because th- this is literally what I've been reading for the last few months is all this pulp <laughs> nice. sci-fi from the 50s and 60s and um, yeah so I went through a thing and I was like oh I'm going to try this and then somebody said you should pick up this book It's you, you're not going to believe it it'll blow your mind and then I read it I was about 15 or 16 I was like I don't believe it this book is blowing my mind <laughs> and uh, it's really good it's, it's completely different to anything I'd read before and I'm fairly certain it's different from anything I've read since as well it's a very mm. it's a very singular book and I think it's great yeah and then I, I read it again for the movie in 2007 ah okay <laughs> that was my I didn't realize that the movie was based on a book so I did see the movie back when it came out and when I got the book, I was like, wait a minute, the movie, they were vampires. <laughs> it was very, <laughs> I didn't, I just thought they were like these zombie things. And, and then I did not realize just how different the movie actually is from the book. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. Starting with the setting based in New York versus based in LA. Yeah. But yeah. We do keep calling it a book. It is just a novella, just in case anybody's wanting to read it. It is only 160-something pages. It's very quick, very good, very realistic. I think so, too, yeah. Like, the idea of, what would I do in a situation like this? Would I be able to fortify my house (laughs) so that vampires (laughs) cannot get in? I don't know. Uh, One of the reasons I love um, Pulp Sci-Fi from the 50s and 60s is they do a lot of predicting what the world's going to be like. (laughs) <laughs> and now we live when I started reading it was in the 90s so a lot of them were set in the 90s a lot of them were set in like the early 2000s yep. and in their heads like you're 50 years in advance and like this is where technology is going to bring you this is set in 1976 and he doesn't even bother to change any like the, the technology is basically what you would imagine they had in 1954 um, oh yeah which is pretty cool um, uh, yeah and it's just nice to think that he doesn't think 1976 would be any different from 1950s yeah. What? Yeah, for some reason I thought this was written in the 70s at first because yeah. it's so technology light. Mm. What do your covers you... look like? 
Oh, mine's a movie tie-in. Oh, okay. Mine is like a bunch of vampires kind of, like you can see it. Oh, you have that cover? Yeah. I like that cover. I like that the vampires all kind of different in stage, I guess, of the living dead, because there's one that's just a skull. <laughs> like, there's no skin. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, yeah. Others look a little um, more ferocious than, than uh, others. Mine's the 1954 original, because um, I'm fancy like that. Oh, <laughs> and it's, really, it's just, it's, it's way less exciting than you think it's going to be. It's just like a man walking <laughs> down the street. It looks almost, it's similar enough to the, um, the tie-in cover, except oh. not in color and kind of black and white. Oh, okay. really? It's kind of cool. Okay. It's cool. Okay. I, I like the one on the Wikipedia too, which is uh, him above the fire pit. Yeah, that's a really good cover. Um, um there is a, a there's the version you have, Megan. That's the one with all the extra short stories, the Richard Madison short stories. Yep. Which are yeah, it's a short story collection. Completely non-connected to I Am Legend. Um, yeah. I'm right there. Does the short stories too? But I had I didn't read any of them. I'm going to though <laughs> before I have to bring it back. They're to worth a read. It's a. Uh, it's been a little while, but it is worth a read. Yeah. A lot of little sci-fi short stories like that are, are well worth a read because they're very high concept. Uh, get it down. Get the story out in twenty pages. Um, get the characters set really, really quickly in the first like four or five pages. Establish the world by the time you get like page eight, and then blow the world apart by the time you get to page sixteen, and then repercussions <laughs> for the last four pages. And so many sci-fi short stories follow that general setup. Uh, yeah, that makes them really enjoyable reads. Yeah, <laughs> Megan, when was the first time you read uh, I Am Legend, or had you come across it before? Uh, I read it back in '07 when the movie came out. Um, it was one of the the movie came out I think over like winter break, and I feel like it was also the same year I read Twilight, but that might be wrong. Like I th- I remember going through like a vampire read, so. Um, but yeah, it's it was long enough that I remembered the general gist of the story, but not enough. Like, I really don't like Robert this time around. And I remember <laughs> being very yeah. indifferent uh, when I read it the first time. A lot of his thought processes are pretty weird, but I, I imagine that's what he's going for. Yeah. In the stories that when, when you're the only person left alive, you go through isolation and therefore stop being able to interact and act like a normal human anymore yeah maybe well there's still a few comments that he makes like if i had found her two years before i would have violated her and i was like oh no that's not appropriate on any level no No. and he he i get that there's no other humans he is horny to like an extreme level at the beginning of this (laughs) where i'm like have you met your left hand and your right hand? Like, <laughs> do something about it? Because I feel like if you're horny enough where you're like, hmm, I'm not going to actually do anything with that vampire, but you need to, like, try to solve this problem yourself. <laughs> my, yeah. my favorite one is where the vampires are teasing them. So, right, so Robert Nevis, the last person left alive. Uh, vampires come out at nighttime. They're not specifically described as vampires, but they're everything that a vampire is. Um, some of them are allergic to garlic. Some of them don't like the smell of it. Some of them don't go after crosses some of them are affected by crosses and stuff like this right but he's inside this building and he's surrounded by these monsters who are calling about at nighttime during the daytime he goes out and does runs through the city and, and stuff and uh there's the vampires want to kill him and there's a few of them realize that he's a horny man and they are like kind of you know 
look at me sugar kind of thing they're not <laughs> speaking to him but that's basically what they're doing and then he does it i think it's in the fourth chapter where he genuinely considers maybe i'll go dig up a corpse yeah the, yeah yeah <laughs> it's There's, just i uh, like, just get a sock <laughs> like, <laughs> right get a sock I mean, it's the seventies. There's got to be like a store where you can get a whole bunch of magazines somewhere. Like yes, like of humans, of human women, and <laughs> not vampires. Guys, can, can I can I give you a small confession here about the whole sock Uh-oh. thing? No, I didn't. I didn't realize what people meant when they got a sock. When they said get a sock, I didn't know. Like Jenna, obviously I'm a dude, right? And, uh, and I'm no stranger to being alone as a man. And um. <laughs> And I, but I couldn't figure out why the hell do Americans say get a sock? <laughs> what, what are you doing with a sock? Am I doing this wrong? Like, I, don't know. I, I, I like to think I'm pretty good at it, but, um, but apparently I'm doing it wrong. And it took me a long time to realize that you're supposed to put, well, I'm not going to get into details. Yeah. Yeah, apparently not, you put let's... stuff inside the sock. I've never done it. Yes. Still won't do it because it sounds disgusting. But why is this this that, like? Why is I, this a standard thing in America? Grab a sock. Like, I mean, that is a good question because oh, I've asked guys like here in America and they're like, no, I don't do that. I don't know why that's, I don't. So I don't have an answer, <laughs> but. Just, just for the record, pro it. tip. You're in a shower every day. It's easy to clean up. Just right. saying. <laughs> oh, yep. I wish there hadn't have been such a long, awkward pause. After <laughs> <said> that. <laughs> I, I just felt it needed to be there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like to believe that. N- I don't know. I have a brother. I don't want to think about this. <laughs> I also realize I've got a podcast partner who tells me every time I go on other podcasts that the only thing I talk about is sex. So, um, thanks for okay. keeping and me going. Been proven <laughs> You're <correct>. welcome. <laughs> to be fair. You were not the person who brought it up because yeah. Stephanie did. I did. Yeah. Well, technically, we can go back to Richard Matheson bringing it up because he wrote the book. Yeah, that's true. Because in 160 pages, there's like two main themes: what's going on, like scientifically, mm-hmm. and how horny am I? <laughs> and that's like the entire book. Yeah. Like. Uh, I have a yeah. question for you guys because it's something we did talk about because Emily was meant to be coming on and um, she said she'd never read it and never seen the movie because it's a horror book and a horror movie and it's it's clearly a horror movie. Do you guys consider this a horror book? Um, it falls under that category because there's not... It's not a mystery. Mm. It's not really suspense. It, I guess you could file it under apocalyptic. Yeah. But I wasn't very like scared by it the movie i'm sure i jumped and like you know because also that they, they like well actually in here they run after you too but um in the movie they were more like these from what i remember like zombie mutant things that would chase you down and crazy looking um but the book i don't think i would say i was scared by it i was more focused on the oh my gosh it's like basically like the end of the world how would i survive in such a situ- such a situation type of thing hmm. It's very, yeah. uh, it's very close to being a, like a diary because it's all written in from his point of view mm-hmm. and it's all about what he's thinking about at the time and how, the, the leaps of logic he makes. And there's a few of them he makes where I'm, I'm 
like I'm reading, I'm going, I don't think I'd make even even from the piece of information he finds out in a couple of places. Yeah. I don't know if if I would jump to where he does, like, oh, I'm gonna find the cure, I'm gonna figure out what's going on. I think it right, so um for people who haven't read the book or, or watched the movie, he starts investigating the vampires and um goes into their houses and kills them during the day when they're asleep and mm-hmm. then takes some of them back for testing. Um, so he's taking live ones back. Always women. Thinking, always women. I, I don't think I'd yeah. do that. I'd just give up and just go to sleep. Yeah, I, I don't know what I'd do. Because I feel like... So because he was married, he had a wife and a daughter, and they both died. Mm-hmm. Um, without having that or other humans, I'm like, would I try to find a cure? Clearly, I'm not going to get infected. But then at the same time, how long do I want to live in a world like this where I am the only human left? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd have to get over, like, even the talk of the blood in the book was enough to make me squeamish because I just, I can't deal with that. Mm. So I'd have to get over that help before yeah. I could do anything. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'd want one more person still alive with me so that they can fight for the cure. They can take my blood all they want. Yes. That's fine. I don't care. I will support you in this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in this but mission. I don't want to do it. Uh, there are some funny bits in the, in the book. Like uh, his neighbor, Ben Cortman. And yeah. he's, so he's turned into a vampire. And, um, and basically Robert spends a lot of his time finding different ways to shoot him and hurt him and, and put him through torture as a vampire now. And I just think, I'm wondering if I said, is there anybody I either A, like enough to do that to, <laughs> to vampire, or B, dislike enough right. to torture for a solid five years, I think the book is set for. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I like the, uh, towards the end when Ben is killed and it's like, heartbreaking because it, I guess it's as close to like a normal thing or his normal life that he has um, yeah I don't know I don't know any of my neighbors enough to be like yeah I, I pay <laughs> attention to you yeah I barely know the people that live above me <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so in the book he uh, he's the last man left alive and he's, he's capturing these vampires and then he runs across a dog he's living across oh. the street and yeah. uh, and he's so desperate for friendship. He, like the dog, he surmises has been infected by the vampire curse, mm-hmm. and he starts feeding him hamburger meat, delicious, delicious hamburger meat. Yep. Um, <laughs> and the dog is like coming over, and you know, they're they're kind of. I kept wanting them to make contact for him to get a hug from the dog, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert: it does not happen. Yeah, that's what I remembered from the movie was that. His dog in the movie, Sam, is Sam. like with him, like always with him and doing raids and stuff. So I was like, oh, maybe this is that version of that. Like that's where the movie pulled this from. That he'll have this dog and they'll be companions. And then it was not, and I was sad. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I think I found that more sad than like when his wife died. <laughs> oh yeah, like, the saddest oh. part is when the yeah. the line where it says a week later the dog yeah. died, and I was like, oh. or even because yeah, like, he just... does. This- Oh, sorry. No, just when he starts with the food, like he starts slowly, and there is a line where he's like, "All right, I gotta switch to to dog food because this hamburger meat, like, <laughs> I only have so much of that left." Um, but like he gets him to like the dog to come, and then he gets closer, like very very slowly over the course of many days, and then one day the dog doesn't come, and he's freaking out, 
and then it comes back and he's clearly clearly infected um at that point i was like oh no so he does try he said he brings it into the house he wants to cure it and it it doesn't work (coughs) sad it is very sad and not as sad as the scene in the movie where Samantha oh where the dog dies where we find out the dog is called Samantha and it's his it's his girl and he's had her for the entire time and she's been his constant companion Mm -hmm. and then she gets bit he has to put her down and it's like no (laughs) why are you doing this to me movie legitimately it's a German shepherd which is my favorite kind of dog she's so fluffy and cuddly and she's so she's been there forever like you know (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you guys could hear that because we were talking about Megan just apologized to Charlie (laughs) (laughs) I did I did did. you're my favorite but you're not my favorite kind of dog I'm sorry I did go hug Chief Brody after I read that part about uh, (laughs) the dog in the book like where's my dog yeah. Murphy's looking See? at me now saying, Why aren't you saying nice stuff about me? <laughs> because you peed yesterday, in the floor. While yesterday. I was eating sweets with Jacques Therese, Charlie <laughs> got a bag Just slide of that treats in there. down from the table and ate his entire bag of treats. <laughs> Wait, where was this? Because he's a small dog. How did he get up there? It was on the table. I guess it was like either half leaning off or something. I don't know. Because um, my my new copy of my lease blew off too. So I don't know if it just blew off the table or what. But I came home and there's a bag with a big hole in the middle in the floor. And I was like, <laughs> you bastard. How, how big a bag are we talking? Because Charlie's a tiny little dog. I know. <laughs> Uh, you're not getting one. <laughs> That's a big bag, man. That is a big, yeah. 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 Well, you enjoyed yourself, didn't you, Charlie? <laughs> yeah. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, was did. he? Was he walking around with a big gut for the rest of the morning, like just like dragging <laughs> oh, along no, the he, floor like, and pranced around? I oh, thought everything God. was happy-go-lucky. Because usually he's like, "I did something bad. <laughs> I did something bad, and I don't regret it." But you're going to be mad. And this time he was not. And he was just like, no. I did something great. Hey, you got no. to have your fancy desserts. I had my fancy exactly. desserts. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the face that he had. You should, so I was sitting uh... there and I was like, I hope someone would take care of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope someone would like teach him to be a vicious, like attack the zombies, vampires, whatever. And uh, then he's an asshole. <laughs> so... <laughs> So in the book, in the movie, or in the book, right, in the movie too, but the movie kind of changes it completely. Um, at one point, he runs across uh, another living human mm-hmm. named yeah. Ruth. And uh, he's a bit of an asshole to her, but he convinced her to come back to his house. Oh, um, no, he does not. No, no, no. He does not convince her to come back to his house. takes her, like, this whole scene he of drags her. Him hey, guys, he convinces her. her. I... <laughs> was just like yes lady run because i don't know he's yeah. been super horny i don't know what he's gonna do to you like it makes sense to me that she's running away and he's just i understand the isolation and maybe now because it's been it's 1978 now when he meets her that he doesn't remember how to interact with humans but still as a woman this crazy ass looking man is chasing you run yeah and that's when so maybe maybe it's because i'd read it before because as I was reading it this time, when she does end up going back to the house with him, I'm like, eh, she's got an ulterior motive here. Do you remember if you trusted her the first time you read it? The first time I read it, I think I was so invested in 
the character of Robert that her character didn't mean much to me mm. if that makes sense that um, makes sense because I think I was 16 and I was full of myself I was like what would I do if I was the last man oh yeah I definitely want to save that <laughs> woman which is what he in his head is thinking he's doing and stuff he's like nah and obviously 2018 all these like now, I'd probably be dead at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. I'd have given up long ago. The amount of drink he has access to, I'd have oh drunk my God, myself to yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Because he does spend he a good chunk of the beginning drunk. Yeah. Which, I mean, I get it. I'd probably drink a lot, too, but I probably would have killed myself yeah. by then <laughs> with it. He, so. he makes some really weird choices at the beginning as well. Because when his... Right, so spoiler alert, his daughter and his wife get infected. Um, and we're finding this out in flashbacks. And when his daughter dies... He brings her to the communal burning pit because they the burn law. people. This helps because it's the law. But when his wife dies, he takes her out and buries her. And <laughs> I'm not sure if you know, well, maybe because I'm currently separated. But I'm not sure if I'd save my wife's body ahead of my kids' body. <laughs> like I'm not sure if, I, if that's where my priorities would be. Well, they didn't like, die at the same time. Right. It was no, no, it was definitely know, afterwards. Apart. Yeah. Yeah. I get um, the loss, but like, I guess. If I did that and I was like, all right, Chris, I'm not going to bring you to the pits. I'm going to bring you and bury you. I feel like somewhere in the back of my mind, I'd be like, oh, wait, you're going to come back. Which and she does. Which she yeah. does. So, no, you're, you got to go to the pits. <laughs> you're going to the fire pit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. The no. most suspensive scene, I think, is um, in the movie. Or sorry, in the book. I keep saying the movie. <laughs> Spider-Man, everybody. I watched the movie last night in preparation for this. <laughs> The most suspenseful scene in the book is exactly he's, out, the same. he's out during the day and um, his watch breaks. Oh, and yeah. Because he has to, he has to yeah, try and get back before good. sunset. And uh, and then he ends up having to fight off vampires and zombies. Or, well, I'm calling them zombies, but they're basically vampires. And um, he has to fight them off and then he has to make the decision to go out and save his freezer unit. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't, it's going to go. And like that, like that is genuinely tense and harrowing. Um. But also at the same time, I never really felt like he was in any danger because they're still kind of slow moving and he seems to have the one yeah. up on them all the time. Yeah, even when he like leaves his garage open and everything and they still get in and it's they don't seem hard to kill. I guess it's like right. the horde mentality. You just don't want to get caught in that. Mm. I am curious. You, you mentioned the movie. Did you ever watch the, the is it the 60s version? I've, I've watched both. Of the other versions of them, one with Vincent Price and one with um, Charlton Heston. Yeah, um, I need to see if uh, the one with Vincent Price is on. Yeah, the Vincent somewhere. Price one is quite fun because it's trying to stay true to the book, but right. it also okay. kind of butchers the ending. And we get to the end of the book. I, I think oh. the end of the book is amazing. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get why they keep changing it. Yeah. It's weird. I liked like, this the book ending. I mean. The movie ending was like, oh man, I didn't really think. So the movie ending, spoiler, Will Smith dies. Like he basically <laughs> let, gets the other. There's two survivors. It's the woman and a young boy, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gives them the cure so they can go off, and then he like basically blows himself up in his house with a bunch of the other zombie things. Um, I wasn't expecting that, but this I really liked the ending in the book a lot more. Because um, <clears throat> I think just. The meeting of the title where that comes up and we really get like he makes yeah. that connection for himself before he dies i really liked that megan did yeah. you know did you know what the ending of the book was before you read it um i mean 
this time around, yes, I knew the ending. Back in 07, I don't remember if I read the book or saw the movie first. Mm. Do you remember if you trusted Ruth, like, when you read the book for the first time? Yeah, I always trust when it's, like, I, I just feel like that's a common thing, is where it's, like, I think I'm the last person, and, oh, no, I found someone new. That's great. Um, the way he treats her is fascinating. Because, like, he's proven that crosses don't necessarily work. Sunlight definitely works. Garlic, the smell of garlic works. And, like, she's out in the sunlight. So I'm like, why don't you trust her? Yeah. So, I don't know. He's, yeah. he, he's, he, he's doing lots of research to find out that there's different types of vampires and stuff. And I, I, I find that very interesting because I was a very sciencey oriented kid so to find that a main character was doing science and effectively using good techniques and he's not really using good techniques but at least he's making some semblance <laughs> of doing good techniques and doing double blind studies and things um, right. and what he yeah. discovers is that <clears throat> if you were a Christian before you were turned into a vampire you hate crosses he surmises that the ones that don't hate crosses would have been of the Jewish faith or whatever beforehand um he discovers that some vampires that, that there are two distinct types of vampire there's ones that were living people who were turned into vampires and then there were ones who were dead corpses or dead or died before and then they right. turn into like this undead thing and then they they have different reactions to sunlight based on what you know how how they were turned into a, a vampire in the first place and she exhibits some of the characteristics of a vampire and he still trusts her and that's I find this a little bit hard to understand that this time around when I was reading I was like eh, she doesn't like that garlic dude I mean he she's does acting argue. a little bit suspicious yes he does argue with yeah. himself internally a lot before he actually like and also she was hard to wake up I think was another thing was like yeah oh, I don't know now because <laughs> at first <laughs> I was like okay I think I, this is just another person because in the movie there was another person so I thought okay this is her right um but yeah then she starts acting very suspiciously she did have an answer for the garlic she said it's always made her sick like she I don't know so she had an answer <laughs> but then as they were talking and her answers to certain things I'm like I what <laughs> Ruth, who are you <laughs> her answers were very like iffy in the yes. extreme um like she, where were you living and she does she can't really say where she was living it's like this, um like, like it seems like she's stalling for time sometimes like yeah you didn't kill them either or how was your house set up or you know she just kind right. of didn't have like answers like he would if he had run into someone and they asked him he would have been able to just be like oh my house is this and i've done this and da, da, da. <laughs> um plus when he's describing killing the vampires she's one of her responses at one point is that's horrible like um you got to get Ruth out of your house now. <laughs> yeah. And also she makes a comment of, we had guns. And he's like, guns don't work? Yeah. Because um, he says that uh, the vampires create a powerful body glue. <laughs> body glue. The bullets. Um, and then he says, my, my, this is what I think is really fun. Because he, he's at pains. Richard Madison's at pains not to call them vampires. Like they, He ref- references vampires a couple of times. But like they're not classic vampires. They're not drinking blood or whatever. But he does say, I'm allergic to, or sorry, I'm immune to it because I was bitten by a vampire bat. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And you're like, uh, <laughs> are we having it this way or are we having it that way? Um, right. And then this is what I got most uh, 
twig to her and it's near the end of it is uh she he tells her that he's been going around killing vampires during the day and she's like how can you be so blasé about this yeah and then i'm like wait whoa why would she say that like these dudes killing vampires she should be hugging him and saying well done my friend right and he's just like you get used to it and i think one of the excuses she offered earlier on was her and her husband they were afraid to touch them like when they were asleep like they would just leave them yeah. alone like yeah. okay <laughs> Also, like, because her husband dies, which is why she leaves and, and you know, leaves her house accordingly. But it's like the way that it she's like the plague got two of my girls mm. and all of it is responsible for my husband's death. And it was like, oh, that's a very nice evasion. Yeah. Of, like what happened to your husband? And then he, he says something along the lines of that seemed or that read true to him or like it, it felt true to him. So. That's why he's, he's more inclined to believe her because she definitely gets kind of semi-emotional. And then we find out later on that, yeah, her husband had died because Robert Neville came into the house in the middle of the day and stabbed him. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. surprised. Also, he kills a lot of kids in this movie. and Or maybe not necessarily on screen or on the pages, but he definitely sits and thinks about how he killed like 12 kids yeah. in a day. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder what he did before the plague started because I mean in the film they make him out to be a scientist before yeah. and as, all we know is that a soldier scientist before right yes. all we know is that he was in Panama at one point um, as a fighting in Panama yeah. yeah but like was he also a scientist is this like an everyday man that like researched science this much to understand or no he definitely talks about learning or teaching himself medicine yeah during the thing but I, I don't know maybe he was some person of scientist have you guys seen the, uh, the movie version of World War Z yes yes where Brad Pitt has a similarly what is your character Brad Pitt like where he is incredibly competent and really good at using submachine guns and mm-hmm. knives and other weapons to kill things and he can instantly analyse the situation as dangerous and run away from zombies but that also is able to figure out that zombies take five seconds to turn and then it's like well it must be a retrovirus yep. it has to be it, it's the only thing that can work that fast so you have advanced biochemical knowledge and also a really good with a machine gun yeah mm. yep another also another movie that was very different from the book <laughs> yes. yeah, incredibly different from very the book. very different <laughs> uh if you can find the alternate and ending to um world war c it makes it a much better movie also, oh, okay. I will yeah, look for that so then. It's it's very good. Okay. Doesn't I Am Legend have an alternate ending that it almost does. kind of lines up with the book? Yes, um, but doesn't quite do the same thing. Should we go into what happens in the ending in the book? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Ruth, it turns out, is a new form of the vampire creatures. So they are a set of the vampire creatures who have realized that they were turning into vampires and have developed pills that they can take which suppresses the vampire gene they still have some of the characteristics of it so they're living in the dark etc and they sleep during the daytime whatever but they're not turning into mindless monsters and she has been sent out to find robert neville because the new society which is just forming wants to kill him and she shows him the new vampires going around killing the old vampires uh and he's like 
totally shocked and taken aback with this. Like, they're so cold and casual about killing, despite the fact that that's what he's been doing through the entire book. <laughs> right. Um, but she uh, attacks him and then like, she knocks him out and takes him back to the, to the new vampire high council. And they decide that they're going to kill him. And she explains the, that like he's the last human or whatever and gives him some drugs to take so that it's painless for him because she's fallen in love with him or it's implied she's fallen for him. Yeah, that, that I, mm, I... They were together <laughs> one night, like yeah. maybe a total of like 15 hours. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> no. I think I... Things that bother me so yes. much. And maybe that's because so I just killed her too. husband. Yes, he did. I think I, I took it more like they can't possibly be in love. Um, yeah. She's bonded with him. She sees, because of their conversations, she sees where he's coming from in what he's doing and how he sees her and her kind, basically. So I just took it more like she just understands him and I guess sort of can respect it from the idea of what do I need to do to survive, but his answer is obviously different. Because he's a human right. and she's not. Mm. And this leads to where we have the title of the book, where he realizes that the entire time he's been the bad guy because mm-hmm. he's been... So if we take our human-centric view of the world, if a vampire was going around killing us in our sleep, we'd think, what a monster. Yeah. He's been doing that to members of this new society and he's been right. sneaking in and he's the one who can walk through daylight when none of the rest of them can mm-hmm. and he's been going around killing them he's the bad guy he's the monster he's the legend that they're all afraid of and yeah. it's a great way to end the book yes it is do they kiss it's weird I they don't know they do like, when she's at semi- his house they kiss and then I think she kisses him like before she gives him the pills but not like her husband died a week ago i'm sorry i don't know this annoys me i read a synopsis of this um about two weeks ago right before i reread the book i read a synopsis of it and i the synopsis says flat out that they have sex what what i I have it here i'll find it now so i did question because there was when they kiss, they're like holding each other. I think I went back and reread that paragraph because I was like, wait, are we supposed to be alluding to sex? But I was like, nope, they're just kissing. <laughs> it was like kissing and comforting. That's how I yes. took it. Not like, because they had sex in the hallway and then he's like, okay, well, let's get a blood sample now. Come on. Let's <laughs> this go is, get a blood sample. This is where it's written down because I, I saved it because I knew it would come up because I read it. I, was, I remember reading it ages ago and going, they don't have sex. Read it again in the last two weeks. They definitely don't have sex as far as I'm concerned. But this is what it says here. It says, um, and Root asks him how Neville can be so laid back about killing them. Neville, in spite of himself, begins to feel guilty. That night, it's heavily implied he and Root sleep together. And I don't think it's heavily implied that that's what happens. I don't happens. think so either. Um, and, then, and then we get on to the blood testing scene where he finds out that she's infected I, with the vampire germ. She is, she's been terrified this whole time. He killed her husband. She's not like trying to win him over with sex so that she can bring him back. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's it, no sex. They sat. He, he didn't know how long it was. They sat there holding each other close. That doesn't say sex. That's just holding each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's the way I read it too. They're just yes. hugging each other. And they kissed before that. But sitting in the dark, pressing close together. But that still doesn't say sex. <laughs> yeah. It's still yeah. 
holding each other, comforting each other for their different losses. Yeah, I'm saying no, no sex. <laughs> yeah, I for a second I, I thought you you were about to read something that was really definitively sex. I was like, oh, how did I miss that? <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It's not there. Also, I don't know in what world. I mean, if I was a vampire, and my husband was a vampire, and this guy, that's the boogeyman, basically, who's been going around killing us in our sleep and also killed my husband, I'm probably not going to sleep with him. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. I'm sure that's a sci-fi trope I've seen in a lot of movies, though, before, is that women There's fall the... in love with their husband's killers a lot. Sure, but it's not usually in one night, and... Um... Not usually with somebody who's such an unmitigated dickhead. Also, yeah, like, yes. <laughs> he drags her back to this house. Yes. He's yelled at her the whole time. Yep. He's not shown her, like, really any nice, comforting anything. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't. Right. I can't get on board with this. I feel like there yeah. was, like, thinking if I was Robert in this situation, if I saw another person, I would probably be more like, oh my god, another person, please, why won't you talk to me? Like, I wouldn't be just yelling at them. It would be more like, yeah. I haven't talked to anyone else in, like, three years. How are you still alive? Let's be friends. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to try to scare them. I'm almost certain that if I met another person in this situation, I'd run up to them and go, have you seen Game of Thrones? What do you think <laughs> happens in the end? <laughs> I need oh somebody to bounce my ideas off. I've written fanfic. Will you read it? There's okay, so there's a podcast called We Are Alive. It's a really great zombie story that actually takes place in LA as well. Um, that I highly recommend anybody that if you haven't listened, go listen. And in, it came out or it started before the end of Lost, but there was a point in a season where, like, definitely after Lost ended, and the creator hated the way Lost ended, so he was just like. <laughs> Oh, well, that never happened. And, like, they're having a discussion of, like, how do you think this ends? And, and <laughs> stuff. Brilliant. And I was just like, I love this so much. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the record, the end of Lost is terrible. And loads of people will come back and say, no, it's, it's, it's good. You didn't get it. No, no, I got it. It's just bad. I remember being very confused when it ended. Like, the first run through, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I did do another rewatch of the show because I did, like, you know, I liked it. I get. I definitely get where some of it's like. Okay, this is filler. Like we're just stalling for time here, <laughs> and then it, we never come back four? to this storyline. <laughs> um, uh, this is what really annoyed me. They, they spend the entirety of the first season trying to kidnap the kid, mm-hmm. uh, and then they do kidnap the kid, mm-hmm. and then we don't care. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The kid exactly. doesn't have special powers anymore. <laughs> What happened to him calling birds and killing them with his mind? Please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where did this go? Right. Right. Yeah, I didn't watch Lost. Eh. It, I don't know if it's I still watched on the Netflix first season. It was. That's it. Yeah. I really like Desmond. <laughs> oh, yeah, Desmond. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> it's probably not a show I'm going to ever rewatch again, but I did do one run through no. of it afterwards. Yeah. And I'm still like, I don't know ending i guess i get it but then i don't <laughs> like, megan just a, a quick question are you re-watching buffy uh no i uh it, so there's a podcast called buffy speaks mm-hmm. that i did their season five finale episodes with them and they asked me to come back for the season six finale so oh, awesome. i just uh rewatched the last two and the first of season seven mm. 
Um, and I may go back through season seven again, because I always feel like if I start it, that I end up running through season seven, because I'm someone who actually doesn't hate season seven. But mm. <clears throat> it's really hard to watch the last episode of season six and not watch the first episode of season seven just to get that, like, the world sucks, everything sucks, this entire season's really depressing. Right. Okay, good, we're back to making jokes. Everything's okay. Yeah. Uh, I went through, I, I, in the, the, flip, the flop house where we all met each other, um, I started a watch of Buffy and got to the end of season five and stopped. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been able to pick up season six. Like, I, I own it season is... six. I just haven't been able to put it in because season five just left me going. Season five is hmm. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, it's like, and then everyone tells me season six is this just massive drop off. And I'm like, no, it's season not. five finishes so good. It's, it's not. No. Like, um,. Season, it's, okay. not, it's not super uplifting. We'll say that. <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah. It's um, not easy to binge either. But if you think about it as season, the first three seasons, four seasons are all about like, I can't remember how many years they're in college, are all about how high school is hell. And then if high school is hell, as we adults are sitting here, you know, like now able to look back, then what does that make the real world? And if you look at it, it like it had to get dark because real life is so much worse than high school mm-hmm. or as like a look of like the entire season is, you know, Buffy dealing with depression and mm-hmm. how you can't turn to sex or drugs or magic or, you know, anything to solve your problems. <laughs> you can turn and... the magic to gathering, though. Sure. <laughs> that would solve your sex problems. And if you look at it as like this like fine like dealing with depression and finally coming out of it mm-hmm. it's worth one watch yes. it is not a season that i recommend binging outside of like four episodes but it yeah. is i don't like how they treated spike's character mm. i i think the the stuff that happens in the end the last four episodes are very lazy in my mm. opinion this is season six the last four episodes. Yeah. yeah um but i think it is something that was necessary and I get what they were trying to do and I think if they had done it in 2018 it would have been vastly different and so much better and it would be the thing that everybody looks at and goes this is how depression feels and this is how it feels to come out of it and if you think about it that way it's a decent season and also like just Buffy dealing with depression she's the hero Yes, depression can happen to anyone. So I did like exactly, yeah. that they didn't try to just make things all like, la, 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 everything's wonderful. Just because she's the hero, you know, and she's the main yes. character. So, yeah. One thing I've always wanted to ask other Buffy fans uh, in, the, in the flesh, in the real life. Because um, <laughs> I only started watching it two years ago. And I said, I, like, I binged through the first four seasons and then oh, watched so season five once, one a week. So like uh, 23 weeks or whatever it was, right? Um, I hate Xander. I, I don't <laughs> understand anyone who defends him in any way, shape, or form. I want to punch him in the face. Like, I just every time he comes on screen, I just have these overriding feelings of, oh my God, I know so many dudes like you, and I want to, I yes. hate dudes you don't like you. I love Xander. And yet, people def- like, loads of people defend him. They're like, oh, no, <laughs> loads of people do. I have a thread which is 600 comments long where people go oh, he's not that bad I can tell you right now one. <laughs> like, it, 
in the moon cult there's a post maybe like once a month of someone who's like starting buffy again and this, it's usually like i just started buffy again xander's a shit like, <laughs> he is it. though yeah. he's the ultimate um, oh i'm a nice guy maybe she'll fall in love with me now like f- like yeah like I, just, I liked him as a kid because xander was the geeky guy and that's what i've always been attracted to and it was really cool to have someone that you could relate to and understanding like I don't have superpowers. This is probably how I would be. But then as I grow up and now as a 30 year old adult, I'm like, no, you're too much. Yeah. I feel yeah, like this I is too much. Him, I liked him okay watching it, but at the same time was like, can you go just like take a karate class, take a kickboxing class so you don't get immediately thrown and knocked out and every, every time week. just yes. go, just take like one class. <laughs> yes. One, one thing I will say about it, right? Uh, and this is not also not good. Um, uh, Sanders too handsome to play the character he's playing. Like, like I, I, I don't for one second believe there's a place in the world where I, I can't remember his name, the actor's name, where that guy is not popular because he's really handsome. I mean, if you look at him in 2018, he definitely is wearing the drugs in years. But you mean, yeah, 20 years later, like. We're all going to look a bit the worse for wear. I mean, I don't look like my fresh-faced 17-year-old self anymore. <laughs> Although, my beard is almost as luscious as it was. But um, <laughs> I, when I say almost as luscious, I mean it's almost as luscious as the hair on my head used to be. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's, he just like, he's too good-looking to play that part. So therefore, it's like real wish fulfillment for, for me, like looking at us going, this was written by a kid who, or a person who was a nerd in high school who's like, this is what I would have liked myself to look like and mm. still act the same way I acted back then. I mean, I think Xander is the Joss stand-in. Yeah. And I'm going to disagree with you because Anthony Stewart had is damn attractive today yeah. and 20 years ago and 20 years before that. Megan, yeah. you, you don't have to talk to me about Mr. Uh, Maxwell House. He is a <laughs> sexy, sexy man. But Anthony Head is also too attractive to play a librarian because I've met a bunch of librarians and yes, the ones I know on the internet are all beautiful women and <laughs> handsome men, but the ones I know in real life, they don't look like Anthony Stewart Head. It <laughs> just don't. You're just at the wrong libraries. It's okay. Yep. My just sister more who is That's a librarian, you're lovely, um, but all of those dudes you work with are not. They're not Anthony Stewart Heads. <laughs> I'm trying to convince yourself they are. Anyways. Also, Giles and Anya, terrible terrible night. Oh no. What? No, I am so on board for this. <sighs> no, I'm not they disagreed this. with me as well. They think Anya is too uh, immature for Giles and I think that it works. I, I think she would keep him young. Yep. And he would keep her grounded. I love both There's of them. There's only one person for Giles and she dies. <laughs> she was the best teacher ever. <laughs> I don't agree. I think Jenny was great, but I don't think yeah. she's She was amazing. At least she's going to live together forever. I just, I also, like, I feel like Giles, like we did, I wanted, looking back now at the time, I was, I was not thinking about that because I was a teenager watching the show and I only cared about the teenagers. Um, <laughs> why didn't we see him date a little bit more? Because he definitely could have gotten, like, come on, that episode in season four where he's playing the guitar and singing at that coffee bar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, also, yeah. his voice is just dripping syrup. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. come on, mm-hmm. like that dude could do ASMR. Um, He's the second best thing about Marilyn, the TV show. Ooh. Colin Morgan being the first? Uh, I, well, I meant Morgana being the first. But. Oh, yeah, she's also up there. Yeah, that's a really attractive cast all around. 
No, I just meant her character in general. I think she's great. I'm like just saying, that's that... a really attractive cast all the way around. I do like <laughs> how they handle Morgana in that. Yeah. Um, I really I genuinely hope or wish she could have won. <laughs> like, I would like to just completely subvert everything and just have her wipe everybody out and just ascend to the drone yes. and be like, I'm the only one who's been getting shit done here for the last seven years or whatever. So time is yep. done. Bradley James is an eye zombie. Is that enough of a reason to get you to watch eye zombie? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, right. You need to, when the episode I just recorded about Marilyn comes out, you're going to realize how much I hate Bradley James. That's harder. <laughs> so okay, but his much. character, but him, his attraction. Oh yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's a, a good British looking young man. Punk like. rocker zombie. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's a, he's a good looking dude, but oh my God, Arthur, you're such a sap in that program. Well, that's because they never let them fully fall invest in their love for each other. Yeah. I mean, Marilyn and Arthur should have gotten together oh, yeah. so hard. <laughs> Very <sighs> much so. Yes. And then Gwen and Morgana. We have strayed so far off topic. <laughs> oh, thanks. <sorry. coughs> I am legend is a brilliant book. I highly recommend it to everybody. It is a short book. It mm-hmm. is a good read for uh, the holiday season. Yeah. It's not scary. No. It's not, but it's atmospheric, and it is a good moment of just like, what would you do in an apocalypse? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Have you guys um, read uh, Station Eleven? No, no. Oh, Station Eleven is wonderful. It is a great. Um, it is. It's two timelines. It's the end of the world essentially, and then like, I think it's twenty years in the future, and no, how so society has kind of. It's twenty eighteen and twenty thirty eight. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yes. A little bit of political humor there. <clears throat> it's uh, the flu. Basically wipes out 90% of the world. Um, and and it starts in New York. And like basically as I was reading this, I was like, oh, I'm going to die. That's fine. That's <laughs> going to happen. And then like they had to detain an, an airplane full of sick people recently. And I was like, oh, fucking Christ. It's starting. <laughs> the world's going to oh end. <laughs> so... Get your apocalypse schedules and game plans ready, everybody. Uh, I had a lovely debate with a, a friend, Simon, um, one night in the pub. When I say lovely debate, we had a few beers. It probably wasn't even a debate. It was just a shouting at each other. But um, I said, basically, the flu is going to be what ends up killing us. So we're going to get like a super virulent version of the flu, and it's going to kill everybody. And he went, ah, it won't kill me. And I said, why? And he said, I just won't get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, how are you, what do you mean you're just not going to get it? He's just, I just won't get the flu. Because, you know. Okay. You can, <laughs> he said, and he was 100% that. serious about it. This is just like, I'm just not going to get the flu. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I admire the confidence. If only it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only it was that easy. Like, yeah. I'm just not going to have it this year. Yeah. Yeah, no. I have accepted that I will not be a super apocalypse survivor. And that's Okay. I just don't want to die in the first wave. I want to get like to the third. Like I, w- I want to get a good solid month of misery before I. <laughs> That's fair. But I'm not going to do it in a heroic. I'm just going to go. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, they're coming! Oh, fuck it. Don't worry about it. Like I've been running for a month. I'm knackered, dude. She's just going without me. <laughs> I uh, I used to live next to a Costco before I moved to New York, and that was the best best decision I ever made. It's like literally in walking distance to a Costco. It's oh, like wow. I lived on top of the hill. Costco was halfway down the hill. Nice. And I was like, see, I got a game plan. That was that was it. And now I'm like, <laughs> I guess I'll lock myself in my apartment for a few days. <laughs> I don't know. 
gotta learn Just a little more things about Providence. <laughs> yeah. First, I watching like watching The Walking Dead with my husband. I was like, okay, the first step: this ever happens or something happens, you hit the pharmacy and get all of the birth control and antibiotics yes. because you're still gonna have sex and you don't want to end up pregnant. Like, what's her name on The Walking Dead? Because exactly. then you die. <laughs> Exactly. Wait, the, Chris said this to you. No, I said this. I was like, we go. Oh, right. so we, I was we get all the like <laughs> Get all the birth super control. Super aggressive of Chris. Like, you make sure that you've got condoms because we're still going to be having sex. Everybody. No, this was me. No, society is broken down. We're still doing it. Nope, that was me. <laughs> and the pill. You get all the birth control that you can find. <laughs> yes. I am on board with that. Just grab me the meds that I need, because yeah. then I'm not surviving a year anyways. It'll be good. Yeah. And then get the antibiotics like... into the list, too, because that's probably that's important. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to need those. <laughs> I was more concerned guys... about sex is going to happen. Don't get pregnant. <laughs> Have you guys ever read the Outlander books? No. no. Oh. Uh, she, the, the lady goes back into the past or whatever, and because she's got like amazing future powers and medicine powers but like she can cure anything but she also brings back some penicillin and i didn't realize how little people seem to understand that penicillin is just another antibiotic she cures fucking everything with this drug like she's like oh i'm back in the past and i just cured typhoid with penicillin oh yeah that's that's how you do it i mean no. don't get me wrong and bacterial antibacterial things do work against typhoid but not not quite like i injected him with this and then suddenly I cured everybody on the boat with it. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense, but make sure you get your penicillin. It's guys. also super <laughs> dangerous because if you go back to like the present day and penicillin's been around for now an extra 200, 300 years, like bacteria is going to be even more resistant and resilient and you might have just caused the apocalypse anyways. Okay, I'm just going to TM the story Megan just created. <laughs> <laughs> about a guy who ties back in time and creates superbugs in the present because of his use of penicillin. This is a pretty damn good story. You are welcome to that one because that is way outside my range of writing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait for the next prompt to come up that suits it. Um, no, you don't need to. Whoa! You don't need to wait. Oh, Just write it, Ollie. No, I can't. I'm too lazy. <laughs> Oh, look at this. I just found a sci-fi prompt. It comes up <laughs> at the end of January. There you go. <laughs> I just, hang up. Oh, look, there it is. <laughs> I need it. Give me a specific date. I, need, I like a deadline while I'm writing stuff. It's like, give me a deadline. I'll make sure to get finished. Fine. December 31st. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll round out the year. And then that's when Megan comes back and it gets published. She goes, you stole my work. <laughs> Just as long as I'm in the acknowledgements, it's okay. Sweet. So, I am Legend. We usually ask our guests to pick a book drink. Do you have a drink that either this book makes you think of or you associate with it or you think would be good to drink while reading it or pretty much any drink that you think could go with this book in any way? <laughs> okay, well, I've got two. Um, oh. One is in light of what he does during the movie, I think we just need to just suggest that people sit with Jack Daniels and just drink Jack Daniels straight. Okay. Um, because... Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Jack Daniel's straight. Um, I think it's too smoky. Mm. 
but then again i'm irish and i've been raised on a uh, scotch and irish whiskey so like bourbon just doesn't really do it but like that's basically <laughs> what the first five to six chapters of this book are yes which is him just drinking himself into a stupor if i was going to suggest a cocktail for him to have or to drink while we're reading this is i'm going to go read a classic on this i just think this book suits drinking in the groaning um because they're awesome and they're really quick and easy to make and it's a really quick and easy book to read and also it's the kind of stuff that i imagine would be left around after the apocalypse as well <laughs> what is it uh negronis are basically a mixture of oh god vodka and gin and then you can put in it's cranberry juice a lot of times mm, okay. a good mix uh it's delicious interesting yeah, yeah. i'll try it no, d- d- it's generally already really good. Okay. <laughs> Although I'm trying to see if I like scotch, because I like drinking bourbon straight. I'm trying to, like, move around now. <laughs> oh, uh, good scotch is really hard to beat. Like, if you can get, like, ooh, I really like Glenfiddich, so if you get something like Glenfiddich okay. and, and go for the slightly aged version, it's not even that expensive to get it, and it's over 12 years, and it's just, like, smooth and Interesting. And write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah god now I want scotch and it's only 2pm people <laughs> what is the scotch drinking hour uh, let me see it's a bit early for silly questions you just drink scotch whenever you feel like it <laughs> um, probably after 6 okay. I imagine like if you're drinking yeah that, I'm just going to call it now if you're drinking scotch before 6 come on you got an issue like. <laughs> <sighs> all right Anything else you want to talk about with I Am Legend before going on to what we're reading next? I think the movie is really good and much maligned, but it's a genuinely good movie. It's it's not as hard-hitting as the book. They completely change a lot of the major plot points. For example, there are other humans. He does find a cure, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But if you take all of that aside, yeah, it was never going to be as good as a 162-page book, which most people had never read anything like up until the point but the mm-hmm. movie itself is good the action sequences are done well um, I genuinely cry every time I see the scene with the dog yeah. uh, and yeah. Will Smith is a charming and charismatic leading man it's, it's good and it's well done as yeah. is the 1964 one yeah the Vincent Price one is really good the Vincent well. Price one is quite fun yeah, yeah. Uh, the Charlton Heston one is a bit yeah. I but haven't seen char- that one it's yeah. basically Charlton Heston trying to do um trying to do Planet of the Apes again with zombies. Oh, no, that doesn't sound fun. All right, so Ollie, what are you reading next? I, as I said, I mentioned at the start, I'm in a kick of reading a lot of pulp sci-fi novels. Mm -hmm. So I started last night. um, So Predators is, or Dead Predator is in the movies, or is in the cinema, (laughs) it's in the movies. It's in the cinema at the minute. Um, the new Shane Black movie and uh, I'm reading the book that the original uh, movie Predator was based on oh. by uh, a writer called Philip E. High and it's a book called Come Hunt an Earthman and it's fantastic oh I did not know uh, that there was a movie that the Predator was based on I did not yeah. either <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't realize I, I heard about it a long time ago I'm, I'm about 20 pages from the end because it's another like a, it's a it's in my pulp fiction section, my pulp sci-fi uh, kind of thing, and they all tend to be novellas like 190 pages long. Mm. Will be about as long as most of them get. Um, 
Can I go into details on the plot? Yeah, go right ahead. So, have you guys seen Predator? Yes. Uh, It's been a long time, but Like a couple years ago. (laughs) Okay. So, in the book, the character which becomes the Predator is not the bad guy. Right? So, in the book, the Predator is like a gamekeeper. And Earth is a nature reserve. (laughs) And the gamekeeper is bringing other species of interplanetary aliens to hunt humans and the story goes that other aliens love coming to earth because we're we're highly intelligent for uh, we're still a subspecies we don't have interplanetary travel but we're ingenious and we'll tinker with out of the box and it then becomes a dangerous game for these other like mad crazy alien species to come and hunt us right and then the entire plot becomes insane where the universe is a living thing and then all of the things which are in the universe represent the organs of our body and like so so if you imagine like a human we've got red blood cells white blood cells etc so every race and species on the in the universe has a function within the universe and humans are getting trained up to be new white blood cells and that's what the nature reserve is going on but we become very resilient and are able to fight off these alien creatures and then we get taken in to basically fight off invading species from other dimensions uh, it's absolutely amazing it's 190 pages long and you will not get so much plot put into they like he like the even in the new Predator, the new movie, they, they talk about like cherry-picking the best of the best DNA-wise. That's what the Predator's doing in Come Hunt an Man. So he's, like, yes, he's theoretically bringing people to kill humans, but he's then seeing which humans are the best ones to then he makes them the generals in the new army of white blood cells. And it's, it's really good. Interesting. Philip E. High, Come Hunt an Man. I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to find that. I know, I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a lot of that those sci-fi novels from the 50s and 60s are really well worth reading um, I said they're they're coming in less than 200 pages yeah. and they're just yeah. full of inventiveness and brilliance nice alright Megan what are you reading next oh. I am probably going to read uh, it's called Once Upon a River it's by uh, uh, Diane Setterfield she wrote The 13th Tale which was, I think came out like 10 years ago I'm looking it up now um the 13th tale was like this book it's a gothic book that i don't quite understand like how to explain it came out 12 years ago well um where it's like this woman is has gone to this house to like collect the stories of this like really eccentric woman on her deathbed yeah but they start it's like I want to say that the woman's like an author and she wrote 12 tales so this is going to be like her 13th tale basically and it's about her life and it's like twins and weirdness and it's it's just like a really gothic strange book that I can't quite explain added to the fact that I haven't read it for 12 years but um, she does not write a ton of books so she's got one coming out in December it's called Once Upon a River which is about the Thames and there's a girl that dies and then suddenly she's alive again. And that's kind of all I know about it. But I saw her name and I went, yes, I want that. So, 
It was a uh, it was a very important book to me when I was graduating high school, um, and like thankfully I've met people who have also read it and loved it. So it's not like weird things where I'm like this means a ton to me, and everybody's like Megan, that's shit, and which has happened. And I'm like, well, it still means everything to me, <laughs> like Chris and Scream Four, but. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy Scream 4, so I was like, when you put that comment, I was like, this is why she and I are friends, Chris. <laughs> exactly. Scream 4 means a lot, Chris. But um, uh, Just wait, wait, wait. By Scream 4, you mean the movie Scream 4? Yes. Have you seen Scream 4? Why does Scream 4 mean a lot to you guys? <laughs> Scream 1 means a lot to me as well. I love the first Scream movie so much. I love that whole series. Like Yes, same. Just, yes. Well, I Scream 4, though. <laughs> because Scream 4 came out and didn't take itself too seriously at all and was ridiculous and a great throwback to the first movie and kind of negated, like, the fact that the series was starting to take itself too seriously. Like, 2 and 3, 3 is almost bad because they're like, no, this is a very serious horror. And it's like, that is not what Scream's about. Yeah. Although in Scream, Scream 2 oh, is too convoluted. Scream's great. Scream is really good. But Scream 2 is, it's like, got two twists too many. That's fair. What were you going to say, Stephanie, about Scream 3? That it has Carrie Fisher. And I watched it a little while after she passed away and was like, I forgot that you were in this. And it was wonderful. (laughs) And she's playing like a knockoff Carrie Fisher. Yep. So good. I started watching Catastrophe. Um, the TV show I don't know if you've ever watched it um, with Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan and it's about an American who marries an Irish girl or gets her knocked up and then moves over and lives with her in London and Carrie Fisher is his mother and she is so good in that TV show and I didn't start watching it until after she passed away as well and I didn't know she was Aww. in it and then you're like oh Carrie Fisher and then you're like oh she's going to be sweet and then the first thing that comes out of her mouth is you don't have to marry that bitch and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> Carrie Fisher doesn't say things like this, but she does. I think it's Scream really good. Three was the first time I saw Carrie Fisher not as Princess Leia, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, her cussing and I and talking about yeah. sex, and I was just yes. like, you're Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, I love that song, and I really also enjoy Parker Posey in Scream Three. She's hilarious. Oh God, she's so great. She's so good. I like. There are aspects. I, I still really love Scream 2 and Scream 3, but there are mm-hmm. aspects of it. I'm like, you're taking yourself too seriously. Just calm down. And it's it's so bad, but it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scream 4 just... When I saw Scream 4 in theaters, like the entire theater was like, this was fucking awful. And me and my friend were like, are you kidding? Like, they really refound their roots. It. This was hilarious. It was everything that we needed for this franchise. And people yeah. are stupid. Uh, Parker Posey is an actress yes. who I don't think I've ever seen be bad in anything. That and I mean, sense. even in mm-hmm. stuff that I absolutely hate. Um, have you got right. So have you guys seen Superman Returns? No. Mm-mm-mm. Is so that the like one the from two, like the early 2000s? Yeah, the one from yeah, like no, 2006 or whatever. So Parker Posey's in it as Lex Luthor's like assistant. Okay. And she's the best thing in the movie <laughs> by like, it's like she's in a different movie. She's she's so much better than everyone else. She commits to absolutely every single thing she's doing. 
and other people don't seem to commit like the way she does and I'm like yeah I would watch I would watch a movie that's a spin-off about I think her name's Kitty Kowalski I would watch a movie that's a spin-off about <laughs> Kitty Kowalski from that <laughs> rather than watch another Superman movie yeah I do miss Brandon Roth as a Superman I think he is a good Superman but that movie was like five hours long I did not see it it's really not great I worked at the theater during the time. That's the only reason I actually remember it. But <laughs> what about you, Stephanie? What are you reading next? Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna probably read a book called *The Sex Chronicles* by Zane, and here's why. <laughs> do you watch that show *Insecure* on HBO, or do you know of it? I know of it. All right. So Never. mostly, it's their main character, Issa, and her best friend Molly. Um, East is kind of going through like a sort of like reinvent myself type of thing and Molly is helping her during, during this one episode like go through stuff like well if you're going to be a new you you can't bring all this like baggage and stuff from like your prior life into your new life so she's going through she's like you don't need these CDs from your ex you don't need this you don't need that and I'm like yes Molly where were you when I was trying to get rid of stuff <laughs> like I needed that decisiveness <laughs> but then all of a sudden, Molly goes, oh, Issa, we're better than this. And she holds up a book, and it's The Sex Chronicles by Zane. And I was like, wait, I definitely have that book in the other room on one of my bookshelves. <laughs> and I felt That's attacked amazing. by Molly. <laughs> That's what's, amazing. What's it about? Um, well, actually, so that's another thing. After Molly says that, Issa's like, what do you have against cheap black love? Because it's like a $15 book and it's really big. But I was like, I don't remember it being about love so much as just being erotic, just being sex, just being erotica, basically. So that's what it is. It's just a book of erotica. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to reread this and see if it holds up and I see if Molly is right <laughs> that maybe I shouldn't have kept it. But <laughs> Yep. Erotica is just the worst writing. <laughs> no, it's not. That. No. Even though if you talk about like putting crotches together and that's supposed to be sexy, but whatever. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I still have that phrase. It's terrible. <laughs> that being said, I found a book earlier this week because I was going through my... Uh, the past advanced reader copies that I've read to make sure that all my reviews are like on Amazon and everything. And there's a book called, Oh shit. Now I even can't remember, but I read it. It was like an independent post. I think it's like autobiographical because like I looked into the author and like, she's done a lot of things as the main character and it's bad. It's a terrible book. I don't recommend it. But she definitely uses the phrase Pussy Picasso at one point. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was very happy never remembering this phrase. That's, a, that's an interesting phrase. Yeah. That's yeah. not something I think I've ever said or would have put together. <laughs> no, it's definitely not one that you should. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, thankfully the author is like super quiet and not weird on social media or we'd be reading that book next but because i don't want to read it again it's so bad how uh how has your exploration of the cocky books been going Mary? it's so bad <laughs> i'm so angry you can go listen to me rant at this week about how she doesn't understand medical residencies it's so Neither do the people who write Grey's Anatomy. You don't hear people complaining about that. No, because at least the sex on that is good. 
It makes sense. Oh, well, we agree to disagree. And I actually never watched Grey's Anatomy, but... Never? Nope. Ah, I, it's the first show I've given up on. Like, I will usually see a show through, and it got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then I tried doing, like, a rewatch on Netflix, and I got to a point... There's a point where the hospital merges with another one, and they introduce, like, all these new characters, and I was like, I don't oh. care about any of you. And then yeah. I got to... There's an episode where there's a shooting in the hospital... And a lot of characters uh, obviously die. And I was like, I'm never going right. to watch that episode again when I first saw it. And that's about where I stopped. Because I was like, I'm not watching this again. I, yeah. I got to the point where we meet McDreamy's um, wife. And I said to myself, so she's beautiful, talented, seems really nice. And you still went after Meredith Grey, who's the least interesting main character <laughs> I've ever seen in a TV show. Uh, please give me more of your wife. And then they had a breakaway show called Peak Practice. Um, uh, private she practice. She did cheat so on better. him with his best friend, though. But did oh, you see him? Meredith didn't do that. I, well, hello. Did you see his best friend? I did. And he I was pretty totally damn fine. Like, come on, you would have done it. We would have done it, too. <laughs> uh, oh, McSteamy. You sexy man. Yeah. 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 Is... <laughs> oh, we're not saying he died in the show is that but show still on yes yeah, it's like season <laughs> it 17 really? or something it's, like season oh, it's gone <laughs> it's gone longer than eeyore which is an absolute travesty since eeyore was so good it's crazy wait it has officially it has gone longer than er it's gone yeah eeyore is 15 seasons i know oh, i'm looking no. at them right now sitting on my shelf ready to be rewatched. holy shit God, so grays and supernatural but have both oh, been on supernatural since 2005 I've never seen an episode of Supernatural. No? It's got yeah, a... Yeah, all I know oh, is... Oh, you should. It's got Denny from it's got uh, two, Grey's Anatomy, isn't it? It's you got should. two pretty boys in it. That's the first five seasons, the original run, is very good. I also enjoy several of the next few seasons, but mm. if you... The first five seasons, which are the original intended run, are very, oh, very good. I didn't know that. I think I only saw the first season, and then I just fell off of it. Well, it's the first season's dean like from Gilmore Girls in it, doesn't it? Yes, but he is not the dean of Supernatural. Uh, the first season's like more monster of the week, and then it kind of yeah. slowly builds into arcs. Yeah. Do you ever wonder about how some shows get to like thirteen seasons and others kind of fizzle out? Because how that manages to get to like seventeen seasons, but Battlestar Galactica got cancelled after four and a half. It's all about how much money they're bringing in and how steady the viewership is. I know, I know. BSG is so good. <laughs> I'll take your word on it. No, Megan, it's really good. Um, I'll take your word on it. Apparently, Grey's Anatomy <laughs> did just renew for season 15. Holy oh shit. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's nuts. It's, no. I would probably recognize like three characters on that show because I know of people who died and or left after I stopped watching. Right. When, yeah. Is Meredith still alive? Yes. That's a good okay, question. Okay, I'm not going back in to watch it. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> she is because it's her show. <laughs> yeah, she's in I, all 15 uh, seasons. Uh, as is <laughs> several other people. There are still a few people that are still around apparently. Yeah. Huh. But, like, my favorites are not for I various reasons. That. See, they when Eeyore does that, do. right, just to, just to go back to my favorite medical show about that, but when Eeyore does that, um, they, 
never bring in a new character and make them a main character. What happens is they introduce them. So they, they planned ahead, like they were always getting like three season renewals. So they were never getting renewed for one season. So that meant that almost all of the stories in ER followed like three season story arcs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which meant that they'd bring in a new character at the start of season five, for example, knowing full well that they'd be able to go through and build them up slowly from, you know, showing up in three episodes a season to then eight episodes a season to mm -hmm. 12 episodes a season. So that it always felt natural and that this person was in the hospital and somebody knew and was like, oh, look, here's a new character. That's what right. you're doing. Whereas in Grey's Anatomy, it seemed like they would go, well, here's a new character. They're going to be in every scene for the next seven episodes. Yeah. and sleep with everybody yes I think that's yeah. why that's when the hospitals <laughs> when the hospitals merged that they it was basically that it's just here's all these new doctors and they're going to be competing with your Grey's doctors you know that you know and I was like mm -hmm. but I don't care about any of them and want any of them <laughs> to win like or you know to exactly. stay you know with through budget cuts or whatever but yeah I tried to stick with it but I just I couldn't do it it went on too long <laughs> It's still going. Like this, like this conversation about Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> How did we get here? I honestly don't know. I don't know. Somehow from erotica to Grey's Anatomy, which I wouldn't put the two together. Yeah, I was going to say they're like about as far oh. apart as they can be. Yeah, because we're reading Cocky Surgeon, so you know. <laughs> ah, yes. Such a good title. Yeah. Such a bad book. <laughs> can, can I say... Can I say one last thing? Of course. Is it about Grey's Anatomy? Oh, no. yeah, wait. Uh, <laughs> I recently read a Hardy Boys and a Nancy Drew uh, novels for the first time. Oh. Uh, novels, right? Stories for the first time since, I'd say, conservatively 1995. Those fucking things hold up, people. Go really? and go yeah. pick them up. Just read okay. them. They're, yeah. Good. They're delightful. Even but the Hardy Boys were delightful. Nice. Yeah, my, uh, I got a, an anonymous... <laughs> comment when you posted about the, the Nancy Drew Hardy Boy stuff. Let me see if I can find it. Because they didn't want to incite any arguments, but... <laughs> okay, here's what the comment says. So here's my thing on Nancy Drew versus the Hardy Boys. Yes, she is absolutely solves mystery solo. Yes, she was a girl acting in characteristic fashion, so a female icon, sure. That said, and I'm not trying to sparge the contributions of Nancy here, the stakes in the Hardy Boys were usually higher. They faced some pretty grim survival scenarios and terrorism before 9-11 or even Beirut. Plus, their mysteries didn't always follow the same culprit format. Uh, and then it continues on. So, this is someone who loves both Nancy and Hardy Boys, but just wants to say, like, Hardy Boys does deserve a place in everybody's heart. Yeah, no, I'm not sure if uh, the person who read that realized that I'd posted because I just bought a Hardy Boys novel <laughs> and I've read all the Hardy Boys novels as a kid. Um, so this was just me getting back into it. I just happened to prefer the Nancy Drew novels because I thought she was better than the Hardy Boys. No, I agree. Yeah. I think I read I more agree. Nancy and Drew than Hardy Boys as a kid. I read a couple, but it was mostly Nancy Drew. Same. Nancy Drew reading was like illicit because uh, they were technically my sister's books and I had to sneak in and steal. <gasps> That's not good. But I mean, I didn't want to be seen reading Nancy Drew. <laughs> I was a manly boy. <laughs> All right. So next time we will be doing We Sold Our Souls by Grady Hendrix with Chris Hayes. My husband, he'll be coming back on. Woohoo! Yeah. So, Ollie, where can people find you? 
you can find me on the internet just look for Ollie Brady uh, chances are I'd probably ignore you because I'm <laughs> anti-social like that but I also do a podcast with my best friend Emily it's called Best Acquaintances where we have never met in real life um, and what we do is we talk to people we only know from the internet so that's how I met Megan it's how I met Stephanie and it's a, it's a good time it's a really nice podcast where people just like to tell their stories and if you listen in the next few weeks you might find that self same Chris Hayes coming on as guest <laughs> So yes. Megan, where can people find you besides judging book covers? Um, you can find me on my other podcasts, talking about other books. I'm very tired about right now. <laughs> uh, so it's Fable Fabulous Retellings, uh, Handbook Podcast, and Minds at Yerk. Three different book types. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I just laugh every time I, every time when I read Minds at York, I think it's great. But every time I hear it said, I always, it just makes me chuckle. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, it makes me start singing Hamilton. So. Yeah, Minds at York. <laughs> uh, which was exactly the intent I found out. But, uh, but yeah, go uh, follow me on, on Twitter, Meg Griffin with three G's. And then you can find everything that I'm up to. <laughs> and usually ranting about something like right now it's Quantico. Season three of Quantico is very bad. I'm very angry about it. So, I what about here. you, Stephanie? I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> For now, still. <laughs> but you can find us um, on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that, at JVC Podcast. And there's also the Facebook page, a handbook for judging fabulous retellings covers. So, come find us. And thank Thanks for listening and keep supporting your local libraries. <laughs>